Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, May 25th, 2023, the 855th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So last night, Ron announced that he was running for president. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the old political adage. They used to say that a president's first presidential decision was 
who he chose as his running mate, who he chose to be vice president. I would suggest that maybe the first presidential decision of a campaign would be how to launch that campaign. And we have now been given a lesson in how to do that the worst possible way that anyone could imagine. Now, Ron DeSantis' campaign officially launched last night, and that in itself was a disaster. It's actually being called the disaster online, and we can get to that disaster in a second. But there was a seven-month-long disaster before last night's disaster was even a glimmer in Ron's eye. Seven months ago, Donald Trump said desanctimonious, and with that one word, he brought up all of these people from their little hidey holes, from their frozen graves in the ground, as if they are all White Walkers in Game of Thrones, and the word desanctimonious is the Night King just extending his arms and rising them from the ground. All of a sudden, the DeSantis simps were born. They started going absolutely ballistic. How could Donald Trump say anything bad about Ron DeSantis ever? If there's one person you're not allowed to insult in the entire world, it's Ron DeSantis because Ron is perfect. Ron is the best of all of us. Ron has done things that no other governor has done. He's done things that no other governor could do. And he did it all during COVID. Don't you remember when everyone was saying, oh, I wish Ron DeSantis was my governor. Do you think that just happens randomly? Of course not. It doesn't happen just because the TV is saying that Ron DeSantis is very dangerous for being sort of normal about COVID for a little while. That's not how it happens. It happens because Ron DeSantis is the best governor ever. Ever, ever. Don't you understand that he won his race last year by 20 points, even after not fixing election fraud in Florida and just pretending that Florida's elections are totally fine so he didn't have to fix them? And he won by 20, which means it's not rigged by the Democrats. Don't you understand? That means Florida's elections are perfect. Ron DeSantis is the most popular governor ever, even if only seven months later, a mayoral race in Jacksonville is lost to a Democrat. Our election system is fine. Ron is really, really popular. Republicans are moving in from all across the country, even though Ron got less votes in 2022 than Donald Trump got in 2020. I mean, that makes sense because fewer people show up in the midterms, right? I mean, that is what we're told. Fewer people show up in the midterms. Therefore, it doesn't matter that Donald Trump got 1.2 million more votes than Ron DeSantis. Now, sure, Ron DeSantis is the most popular governor of all time, but with him up a little bit in the polls to Charlie Crist, all his voters knew that they could just stay home. 1.2 million fewer Republican voters in Florida for Ron DeSantis two years after Donald Trump got them. Now, that is very weird. You can say midterms have low turnout all you want, but for the most popular governor in America, for the best governor in America, where Republicans are flooding to his state because it's so great, shouldn't he have been able to at least hit Trump's number from two years ago? Did Trump supporters lose their enthusiasm for going out and voting and participating in the political process over those two years while the country was being destroyed because it had been usurped? DeSantis 2024. If your country's going to be usurped 
at least let it be by him. So Ron is so perfect and infallible and untouchable that even though no one can really explain what he's done in Florida, except to say that he's done a few things better than Donald Trump would have ever done them. You're never allowed to insult Ron. So when Trump said desanctimonious, which is basically like just touching gloves with Ron at the beginning of the battle, it couldn't be any lighter, any easier, any less of a thing to get really, really upset about. They nonetheless all got really, really upset, just as they always do when Donald Trump says something that they don't like. They've been doing it for eight years. It's never worked a single time, but they're going to keep going with it because that's all they can do. They don't want Trump telling the truth in public. If Ron DeSantis is the guy that Trump's been showing him to be, and frankly, that he's been showing himself to be, that's the last thing they could deal with. Donald Trump was not supposed to say who and what Ron DeSantis is. They were supposed to run this entire seven month campaign leading up to Ron's announcement kind of under the radar. Donald Trump was not supposed to bring up what was going on. They wouldn't have had all this interference. They could have just said whatever they wanted online. They could have torn down Trump's reputation slowly and steadily, just making the point on Twitter that Trump was bad. It was time to move on. Trump couldn't win. Trump messed up on COVID and the vaccines and everything else. And it's got to be Ron. That was all supposed to happen beneath the surface. And Donald Trump ruined it all by saying to sanctimonious. Actually, these people ruined it all because they reacted so hard that they exposed the entire thing. And for seven months, they have tried to make the case every day, bashing Trump, bashing Trump supporters, just lying about everything, pretending that people have no right to be upset at stolen elections, pretending that their insults, their constant nitpicking about Donald Trump so that they can explain some complicated, convoluted way why Ron DeSantis is just marginally better. All of that was just supposed to be fine. No one was supposed to notice. No one was supposed to care, except people did notice because these people outed themselves. They did that just desanctimonious. They all outed themselves. And so for seven months, they have tried to destroy Trump, tried to take down MAGA. And last night was their big night. Finally, Ron's not running a shadow campaign. Ron's running a real campaign. And what else did Ron do yesterday? Oh, he signed that little piece of Florida legislation that allowed him to run without resigning as governor. He just got elected seven months ago, and he hasn't paid attention to Florida in months. What is Ron DeSantis doing right now as governor of Florida? Well, he's not acting as governor of Florida right now. He's pretending to run for president and the conservative establishment is backing him. Now, I've said for a long time that maybe all of that wasn't Ron's doing. Sure, his press secretary, Christina Pushaw, who used to volunteer for John McCain's presidential campaign, a person who's worked in Russia and Ukraine and has been registered as a foreign agent and helped support Volodymyr Zelensky's election over there years ago is running the whole team 
of operatives in this total abomination of a comms effort for seven months. There are pictures of them all together at dinners and meetings and stuff. But I guess you could try to argue that Ron DeSantis's hands aren't directly on that, even though they are. And I've tried to be as open about that as possible and as forgiving of Ron as possible. Give Ron the most possible benefit of the doubt all the time. Maybe all this stuff we are seeing is not real. Maybe it is all a show for the public. They're just trying to bring those rhinos up out of the ground so we can see who they all are and know that they are the bad guy. Do not unite with these people. Do not trust these people. Do not depend on these people. Understand that these people are the establishment. These people are the regime. And in a very real way, these people are the enemy. These are the people actively trying to take down Trump and MAGA in public. They are trying to win hearts and minds by lying to the public, not only about Ron's record, but Trump's record. And they have to lie about COVID and vaccines and the insurrection and the elections to be able to make their case. So is there any way that Ron was not involved in his own press secretary's comms op that has lowered his popularity by like, what, 75%? Ron is now hovering in the mid-teens against Donald Trump. There are polls coming out showing Trump up by 56 points. It's been over 20, 30, 40 for months now. But now we're starting to see the 50s and the 60s. In any normal political environment, this would be the sort of blowout that would make other people drop out of the campaign immediately. But they're going to say, well, it's a long time until the primaries. Anything can happen by then. We're talking a whole year from now. Maybe people will find something out about Donald Trump or maybe Trump will be in prison. Ooh, I hope Trump is in prison. I mean, I'm a very, very conservative Republican who really does respect the rule of law. But also, if Trump is in prison, well, he just can't be the nominee and then it would be Ron. So I guess this one time we're going to make an exception again, just like we did with covering up the election fraud. And, you know, I usually respect the, the rule of law and I am a very serious conservative. But just this one time, just to get rid of Trump, it's all going to be OK. Hey, why are you guys attacking us? We're just saying this one time. We're very real conservatives. We care a lot about the rule of law. But this one time, this one time, it's just Trump. If it wasn't Trump, hey. We'd let the rule of law go. We wouldn't even make an exception for this one time, but it is Trump. So we have to. We're very conservative. And yeah, maybe we'll actually get to primaries and maybe people will still be running and maybe they'll still be indicting Trump. But the truth is Donald Trump could win from prison and the Republican establishment could steal this election no matter what, and would love to do it with Trump in prison because then it's more believable, of course. But they're not going to get MAGA back no matter what. They have guaranteed that now. They have sealed that now because Ron is now involved himself. He came on this Twitter space last night and he said, I'm running for president. Now, the Twitter space itself was a disaster. So Ron's shadow campaign began seven months ago. 
probably with Ron's full knowledge. It's basically impossible to think that Ron didn't know. So Ron started his shadow campaign seven months ago, waited for Florida to change the law so that he could run without resigning past that in a dead news cycle where everyone was focused on the upcoming Twitter space and the fact that Vanity Fair called Elon Musk David Duke. And I guess that was the last part of his shadow campaign. Just change the law so he can run without resigning undercover. Let's just make sure no one really knows about that. And then away we go. So the whole shadow campaign, his first presidential decision, was an abomination and a failure. But that was all in the shadows. No one really knows about that unless you're on Twitter and you're really paying attention. And I've talked about this a lot. And I know that some people don't like hearing me talk about this all that much because they like Ron DeSantis and they don't think this stuff matters. Well, I hope you understand now that Ron DeSantis might not be the guy the TV told you he was. And this stuff actually is important because this is how public communications work. These are the arguments that people will be having. And you got to understand what is going on in the conversation if you want to be effective in the conversations you're having. And it matters now because all of this has come front and center. So Ron's shadow campaign, disaster. How did Twitter go? Well, David Sachs and Elon Musk started up the stream. It was hosted on Elon Musk's profile. Apparently, people started piling into the room. They couldn't get any sound. The sound kept breaking down. All this weird noise from the background. They would say a few words, it would cut in and out. They were supposed to have this big launch. Ron was about to come in. David Sachs gave his very big, very dumb intro. I don't know what the deal is with David Sachs, but he's like one of those tech bro normies who is kind of seen by the general public as like this guy that knows lots of stuff and is really on it. But he just basically has slightly edgy normie takes about everything and supports Ron DeSantis. He spent most of his time last night talking about how popular Ron DeSantis is, how great Ron DeSantis is, and how popular and great Elon Musk is. And that was true for everybody else who joined that space and asked Ron questions. The process was basically, come on, thank Elon Musk for everything he's done with Twitter to make it a free speech platform, man. Elon Musk, you're so great. And then they turn to Ron and they say, hey, Ron, I've just finished kissing Elon Musk's ass. I would like to kiss your ass for a little while. And after I've completed that, if you don't mind my liege, I would like to ask you a question about something you did that I think was so great. And what I wanted to ask you is, how did you think of doing this great thing? And how did you do it so greatly? And also, if you could sign my chest, that would be spectacular. But that all happened later. We're still at the beginning where they can't get any sound. And so eventually they take the feed down and 15 or so minutes go by and it comes back up and now it works. It's being hosted on David Sachs's page. So he gets into the whole thing. They finally bring out Ron DeSantis after David Sachs is 
gone through his spiel about how great Elon is and how great Ron is. And what does Ron do? Ron reads in a monotonous voice a scripted statement that has one little clever quip about Trump. He said, merit must trump identity politics. Ooh, very clever. That's the only time he said Trump's name. Crazy, huh? He talked about how Republicans had developed a culture of losing, and we've played those clips before, where he pretends that our elections are very safe and very secure, and that we should spend our time analyzing the results of the elections, ignoring the fact that they are rigged for and by the regime, the same regime, by the way, that is supporting Ron DeSantis. So he goes on through this scripted speech as if he's trying to quickly read through Ben Shapiro's Twitter. It was just one little trite phrase after another. All the catchphrases of the corporate normie conservative movement. All of the things that they talk about all the time, all their clever little takeaways that they have winnowed down over the months. Ooh, these are the perfect catchphrases. This is what we're going to say about each and every one of these issues. It was basically just a list of those. He was reading in a hurried way because he could probably tell it was really boring and really bad and that his delivery was awful. He was just trying to get through it. None of it was impressive. It wasn't directed at the most important issues in the country. It was directed at wokeness. Important enough issue. Fine. It's a mid-level importance issue. And it also happens to be the lowest hanging possible fruit. It's something anyone can understand and talk about. You can protect your kids from it simply by protecting your kids and prioritizing it. And it can be absolutely eradicated as soon as Trump gets back. It's not one of our critical issues. The immigration issue, he brought that up. That is more critical. But he's not better on immigration than Donald Trump. Oh, he's going to find a policy difference or two and tell you about how his version is better than Trump's. In fact, his version is more conservative and it would really solve the problem. Except then you run into the fact that everybody trying to put Ron DeSantis in office was already part of the same conservative movement that allowed it to be a problem in the first place, who has presided over that problem for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever the problem might be. That's the funny thing about this whole Ron campaign. There's not a single argument he can make against Trump that doesn't also implicate the entire conservative establishment. And the funniest part of that is how they continue to say that Donald Trump hires bad people and surrounds himself with bad people because Ron DeSantis has done exactly that. The comms team that he hired or or maybe just his press secretary hired are absolutely terrible. They're liars. They're frauds. They cannot make good points. They are mean to normal people in MAGA. They're just the scum of the earth. And of course, that's all you could get because anybody honest is already fighting for Donald Trump. If you are not an election denier, you're out there fighting for Trump. It's real simple. So if you're not fighting for Trump and you're going to sign up to support someone who the same regime who stole the election is supporting, well, then you are the bottom of the barrel. It's pretty automatic and necessarily true that that's the case.
We're talking about people who have spent the last two and a half years supporting the legitimacy of Joe Biden, knowing that he didn't win and that our elections are stolen. It's pathetic. So Ron goes through his opening spiel, and then they bring on people like Representative Thomas Massey, who many of us used to think was really great. And the guy has proven to be anything but he basically will follow on Twitter anybody who is supporting the DeSantis Simps anti-Trump comms effort on Twitter. The dudes followed like 10,000 people and all of them are these bot accounts, accounts that have existed for like three months with like 32 followers, no tweets at all, or maybe three about video games or a gambling website or a diet or sports or something. And they just go around trolling people in their comments. This is an information op. It's not natural behavior. And again, I've been watching this happen for months and months. It tracks everything we know about online information ops. And a lot of that stuff is even becoming general public knowledge because of stuff like the Twitter files and some of the reporting. People at least have an idea that this stuff exists. Well, you can watch it in motion in real life. You can see what it is. You can see a pattern between all of the different accounts, the numbers of followers, the style of posting, when the account was created, the sorts of things they say, the other people that operate with them and the people that follow them. There are plenty of points that you can pull out suggesting a very clear pattern that matches a real phenomenon that we know about and that people can study. So it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just a system and we can watch it as it's in motion. So Massey comes on, talks about how great it is to work with Ron and how they were always good buddies. And then he brings up a measure that Congress passed through the House it's called the Reigns Act yesterday. And he said, Governor DeSantis, would you sign this bill if you were in office? And DeSantis says, yeah, of course I would, Tom. You know me, and thank you for asking me exactly the question I asked you to ask me. And thank you for letting me know that you were going to ask me that question so that I could prepare this incredible answer for it. And then David Sachs brings on, like, Steve Deese, this ridiculous never-Trump podcaster who's very popular on YouTube and very rich, just like one of those Steven Crowder Daily Wire types. You know, they don't say anything important and they get paid a whole lot of money for doing so. He tries to be petty and insulting about Donald Trump. No one laughs. The thing lands totally flat. He kisses Elon's ass. He kisses Ron's ass. He asks some dumb question. Nobody cares. Ron gives the same scripted answer because all the questions are prepared in advance. Everyone in the Twitter space is someone who's already committed to supporting Ron online. He brings on Chris Rufo, who's the guy that studies all the wokeness at the colleges, and maybe he does some good work and that's fine, but it also doesn't matter because he's an election fraud denier. So why do we have to keep pretending that people who are all right at certain things while denying much more important, critical underlying truths are actually on the right side? They're not. It's a front. And look what the front is used for. These people get popularized over the last few years on Fox News. Tucker Carlson participates in all of that, gives all these sorts of people platforms. 
just for the record. They focus on one little thing. They ignore the big problems. They ignore the things that would actually threaten the regime. And instead, they go for these lower level issues where the regime can put in its own solution and they will actively promote that solution, thinking that they're on the side of the good guys because they're the ones who called the regime out. Well, hey, Rufo, that ain't how it works. Look who you're supporting now. It's the same regime, dummy. The uniparty left and the uniparty right aren't different. What these people are saying is, hey, yeah, we'll let you keep stealing elections. But can we just tone down the wokeness a little bit, at least until people start thanking me and Ron for fixing everything, even though he just turned it down a little bit and we ignored election fraud? Yeah, thanks. Cool. So do I need to like send you guys an invoice or is this going to be direct deposit or what? So basically we had a meeting of the Ron DeSantis slash Elon Musk fan club. And that was about it. Ron at some point said something good about Bitcoin. So that's cool. That's actually good. That's something. But it's just less of something when the people backing you are the global regime you know, the people who depend on the regime fiat dollar staying in place forever. So what could it possibly mean? Now, again, maybe the whole Ron thing is kayfabe. Okay. Or maybe Ron's commitment to Bitcoin is just in his language to attract some people out there to his campaign and make them think that Ron is a better choice than Trump because of that. And as you might imagine, some of the people in the DeSantis simp op are out there writing articles about that today, including, unfortunately, Jordan Schachtel, who's come on my show before and had kind of kept his powder dry for the last seven months. He's in the pictures with the simps and Pushaw when they were first meeting about this whole operation, but he hadn't said a whole lot and he was still pretty complimentary of Trump. But he was activated this week and now he's going off about this nonsense. And since the entire communications op is highly coordinated, then you can assume that the people involved in the communications op have coordinated what their messaging was going to be for the day after. So it's no surprise that Jordan writes about Bitcoin. They're going to try to create some space between Ron and Trump on Bitcoin. But in order to do that, like everything else, they have to lie about Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump has never come out in favor of Bitcoin, and he has said that he likes the American dollar. Did he say that he likes the regime fiat dollar and the petrodollar? No, he just said that he thinks the American dollar is the right way to go. And he does that while in the middle of a war that he is helping to lead and fight against the regime that protects the fiat dollar. So what he says is not just a matter of simple opinion. Oh, it should be this way. Oh, it should be this way. He's involved in a high level narrative manipulation in an actual battle, in an actual info war. It is also virtually impossible to make the argument that somehow Donald Trump is part of the regime and supporting the regime and wants what's best for the regime by keeping the fiat dollar around. There's no reason to believe that whatsoever. But that's what we are left with because 
they have plotted out all the ways that they think they can go after Trump. And this is one of them. They go after him on the COVID vaccines. They go after him on the COVID policies. Even though Ron DeSantis was a governor implementing those policies where Donald Trump was a president and could not implement policies in states. And Ron DeSantis was the one putting policies in place to supply vaccines for people. Meanwhile, Donald Trump just said, yeah, I think it's uh, it's good. And the fact that I put Operation Warp Speed in place and got those vaccines out have saved millions of lives around the world because economies aren't shut down. So another narrative that will fail for them. But one of the only ways they can actually attack Trump, they can't do it honestly. They can't do it effectively. They can't do it rationally. But they think that that's a weak point for Trump. They've probably studied it with focus groups of Republican villagers. And they figured out, oh, these could be weak points for Trump with Republicans. That's the key. They need to separate Trump from his base and they think they can go after him on these things. That's why you have COVID and vaccines, something that everybody in Trump's base knows is important, is still mad at and doesn't like. So if they can turn that, that anger that still remains and direct it at Donald Trump rather than at the pharma companies or the regime or the Democrats or the Republican establishment, all the people who really did it, well, then they can say that Trump's base is coming our way and the numbers will go up. That's why they're doing these things. That's why they ignore the stolen elections. They have to. All of these attack points on Donald Trump. Oh, he can't win. Ron DeSantis is a winner. Look how much he won by. Well, that argument doesn't work. It's not rational. It's not moral. It's not effective and it's not convincing because it requires you denying election fraud. So let's go after him on Bitcoin. A lot of Trump supporters, a lot of people in the MAGA base are fans of Bitcoin and want to see Bitcoin take down the fiat dollar. Let's make Ron the Bitcoin guy and talk about how Trump hates Bitcoin and Trump can't come out and talk about Bitcoin like this. So he's not going to have a chance to assure these people that he's on their side. Now, let's just lie about Trump's relationship with the regime and with the fiat dollar. Let's pretend that he wasn't bringing the Fed back under Treasury. None of this stuff is happening. Let's just pretend everything is just like the villagers know it. And then we can tell them Trump doesn't like Bitcoin. If you like Bitcoin, Ron is your guy. And yeah, he's backed by the entire regime, the entire uniparty right establishment, all of them dependent on the central bankers and the financial system that exists right now, which is why they support everything else they support. But don't worry, they're going to support Bitcoin this time. The whole thing is just so blatantly dishonest. It is really disappointing that any of it even has to happen. But it does. And I spent most of last year saying, wait till next year. Wait till after the midterms. That's going to be rhino hunting season. If you think you've seen your last betrayal, you haven't. So you got to look at everything from two sides. A lot of people were surprised last night that Mark Levin came out swinging for Ron and endorsing Ron and tweeting out Ron's campaign donation site. 
But why? Who could be more Republican establishment than Mark Levin? We don't have to call him the great one just because Sean Hannity calls him that. These people aren't our friends. You have to understand that if they didn't come out and talk about election fraud, if they participated in supporting Joe Biden's legitimacy for the last two and a half years, they're not on your team. I've said it a thousand times. That litmus test has not failed me a single time. And it will always put you ahead of everyone else understanding who that person is. Now, you can always leave your mind open to the possibility that they are doing that for a reason. They're part of some important information op, whatever. Or maybe through free will, they'll change course. Maybe they'll come around. Maybe they'll get on the right side and they'll work really hard. Keep your mind open. That's just fine. But assuming that someone like Mark Levin in this instance is a good guy and that you can trust him and you trust him all the way up to this point now. And now you're like Mark Levin too. Well, you don't have to get blindsided by this stuff. There's no reason to trust anyone who doesn't admit that the elections are stolen and doesn't understand that means Trump must come back. And that's the simple ultimate truth of all of it. You cannot stand idly by and see your country usurped, your election stolen in broad daylight, and then support someone besides the person the election was stolen from. That means you are complicit and supportive in that steal. Your emotions about which guy you like and which guy you don't, don't matter at all. It doesn't matter if you can rationalize some way to explain how Ron really is better than Donald Trump and really would be a better president. That doesn't matter at all because all of that is the rationalization for the morally abhorrent choice underneath it, which is you are okay with your country being usurped. Mark Levin just proudly announced that last night and still pretends to be the most conservative guy in the world. And that's what we're always hearing. Oh, these people aren't conservatives. Well, what does it mean to be conservative? It doesn't mean that you're the most obsessed with GOP folklore. It doesn't mean that you're most supportive of their side of the agenda as it's communicated to us through the establishment media. It doesn't mean that you do everything you can in your entire life to make sure that the people with the R's next to their name win. That's not what being conservative is. You follow the Constitution and you try to keep society functioning based on its most basic elements, like the family, for instance. And they'll say, well, that's what we're protecting when we're spending all our time attacking wokeness. Well, is it? Then how did it get to this point after decades? How did it get to this point? Were you guys just sleeping through that whole thing? Because the conservatives that you're telling us to support haven't actually successfully conserved anything. In fact, they've given the country away. That Bush family, you know, the Bush family supporting Ron DeSantis. Well, Prescott was involved with the Nazis and George H.W., well, he was a CIA and may well have been responsible for JFK's assassination. And he may well have been responsible for the takedown of Richard Nixon. And who knows what his role was as 
Ronald Reagan's vice president, then his son became president and presided over 9-11 and then told us to shop, told us they hate us for our freedom, told us, if you fool me once, shame on you. You fooled me and I won't get fooled again. Okay. And then he introduced the Patriot Act. Then he took us to war in Iraq over weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist. And then he took us to war in Afghanistan, where we stayed for 20 years, basically exploiting the opium trade and laundering money meant for the military. And hey, let's not forget that Poppy Bush, H.W., he's who opened the United States to China. He's the guy who enriched the Chinese Communist Party and made it so that our economy would just move on over there and become their economy. But sure, we need to support those guys because they're so good at conserving. And we got exactly the reaction that people might expect. Ben Shapiro was out there very supportive of Ron. Tonight was a perfect encapsulation of the campaign. If you're obsessed with the optics of the Twitter spaces glitch, then you're probably not going to vote for DeSantis. If you're interested in political substance, DeSantis is likely your candidate. Now, what did the tiny genius from the Daily Wire do there? That is a rhetorical trick. He presented a false dichotomy. If you are obsessed with the optics of the Twitter spaces glitch, then you're probably not going to vote for DeSantis. See, you're one of those people that's only concerned with things like presentation. You're really focused on the little stuff. Whereas if you are a smart person who's focused on political substance, then Ron is your guy. Now, did anyone ask him questions of political substance that mattered right now? that people haven't been hearing about for a long, long time. No, no one did that. No one asked him about Ukraine. Why? Because DeSantis is a military industrial complex guy. That's why. And by the way, no one paid attention to the stories a couple of months ago about Ron DeSantis potentially being involved in the torture of prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. It's worth a look if you've never heard of it. Did they ask him about the CCP? No. Taiwan? No. And somehow no one asked him about stolen elections. So there was no real political substance there whatsoever. There were scripted questions. There were scripted answers. All of those questions and answers pertained to issues that they thought they could take an advantage over Trump on just for talking about them. Those are the target issues. None of it was spontaneous. None of it suggested that Ron had to actually think in real time and be honest about his answers, scripted questions, scripted answers, Ben Shapiro telling us that is political substance. And why is Ben Shapiro focused on the glitch? Why are we talking about optics? Well, it's because the mainstream media, the leftist media is helping Ron's PR campaign on all of that. Every single story about the Ron announcement focuses on the glitch. Here are some headlines. 
DeSantis's big moment goes awry with a Twitter meltdown. That's the New York Times. CNN says glitches, echoes and melting the servers crash DeSantis's campaign launch on Twitter. Fox News Twitter spaces crashes repeatedly during DeSantis 2024 announcement. AP Elon Musk's historic Twitter event with Ron DeSantis struggles with technical glitches. Fox News again. Much hyped presidential announcement, a disaster for Twitter due to tech issues. Now, the good part of all of that is that it's clear to absolutely everyone on the planet that Ron's announcement, this whole launch event was an absolute disaster from top to bottom. And it's not just the Twitter glitches at all. It was a zero out of 10 in every aspect. There was not anything good about last night for Ron DeSantis. Is there some chance that maybe he sounded reasonable to some people who are essentially clueless child brain villagers imagining themselves as centrists? Yeah, maybe. But to everyone else, he is just saying things that Donald Trump says in a weaker, more insignificant sounding way. Now, usually all the headlines claiming that your launch event was a disaster would be only bad. But the thing is, it turned out that it was bad in a certain way that can be spun as good. And lo and behold, that's exactly what we've got. David Sachs would say over and over again throughout the entire thing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just you're so popular that it actually crashed Twitter servers. We just melted down Twitter servers by how popular you are and how much people want to see this. Well, that was true the first time. I guess I guess we can trust Elon Musk that that's actually what happened. I guess on the second time around, Ron didn't draw more than 300,000 people to listen in at any time. Now there was a parallel Twitter space going on and people were watching it on other places. I am not saying 300,000 was the most people who heard Ron's speech. I am not saying that. I understand that's not true, but 300,000 in the main place is not a big number. We had 40,000 people watching our Trump announcement coverage from Mar-a-Lago, and that wasn't the official channel for that to be watched on. But they all want to go with the glitch story because the glitch story means that Ron is actually popular. How are you going to convince the nation that Ron is popular while Ron is losing to Trump by 50 points and he has been consistently fading for seven months? How are you going to convince anyone that Ron is that popular. He can't even pull a Republican over the line in a Jacksonville, Florida mayoral race. Ron is not popular, but how are we going to convince the country he is? How are we going to get people to pay attention to Ron? Well, this Twitter glitch does it. Now we have headlines absolutely everywhere. Ron's announcement is a failure because Ron turned out to be too popular and it's Elon Musk's fault. That's what people are taking away because that's what they're being told. Elon Musk was the least bad performer last night, and it was his platform that didn't work. Now, instead of everybody talking about how boring and dumb and monotonous Ron DeSantis's scripted performance was, everybody's talking about the glitch. 
And so one of those Twitter spaces that was also hosting the audio from the Ron announcement, the one hosted always by that Mario Knopfel guy, that ended up with a huge audience and the conversations kept going. The DeSantis simps kept piling into the conversations and getting absolutely obliterated in public. It was so bad and honestly kind of sad. But again, these people don't have arguments. They talk about this stuff in their little circles and they have people who support them. They really believe that all of these arguments are very effective, very true, that once the people hear them, they're all going to be convinced it's just not the case. And they embarrass themselves over and over and over again. It's to the point where they are now just admitting that DeSantis isn't a good campaigner. One day into his campaign, and they're admitting he's not a good campaigner. Their central claim about why everyone must support Ron instead of Trump is that Ron can win. And then they immediately go out and just take a machine gun to both their feet. They don't even shoot themselves in the foot. They shoot themselves in both feet as many times as they can until they just don't have feet anymore. It's just two little stubs at the ends of their ankles and they tip over. How can you say that the guy who can win just isn't good at campaigning? That's just one of his things. Oh, don't worry about Ron. He's just bad at campaigning. And hey, the truth is, once we get rid of Trump, then Ron doesn't have to campaign because Biden is going to campaign from his basement. And Ron will campaign from his basement, too. And maybe they won't even do a debate because why? Everybody knows the election will just be rigged anyway. So what's the point of having a campaign? So Ron's supporters, maybe they can just go out and admit that Ron is bad at campaigning, but also still the only person who can win in an election that they know is rigged. Gosh, what great Americans these people are. And so the entire corporate fake conservative media establishment has come out to defend Ron DeSantis and say that was the best announcement ever. And one of the most pathetic conservative rags at this point, just absolutely always carrying water for the regime in their anti-Trump stance is the National Review. And they're providing some of the interference on the Ron narrative, but each and every defense kind of encompasses the fact that it was such a dramatic loss and such a huge disaster. You cannot already be down 30 or 40 or 50 points in a primary and then face plant on your announcement event. Ron followed that and went on Fox News and talked about how he melted down Twitter servers because he was so popular. His numbers are just going to keep dropping. It's so bad. The entire project is such an embarrassment. I'm amazed that the DeSantis simps online, the supporters who were rounded up by his press secretary, you know, the foreign agent, how did they even get online this morning? I don't know how they found the strength. We have to deal with all the systems of power in the world, attacking Donald Trump, directing some of that attack at us trying to destroy Trump, trying to destroy MAGA and the movement, trying to demoralize everybody, the censorship, the political persecution, the weaponization of the government and the 
law enforcement apparatus, the constant propaganda, the attempts at forcing medical experimentation and segregation, the forced masking, the fact that people were forced out of their jobs. We and Trump are forced to face those indignities constantly for the last three years. And Trump, more than anyone, he is the actual target of all these ridiculous legal efforts and the vast, vast majority of the attacks. That dude gets indicted and we go out and laugh at the regime communists thinking that they finally got him, us knowing that they don't because he's done nothing and he's just going to have more of the people supporting him on his side. Ron doesn't have that. That was a disaster. How do these guys get out of bed and go online and write these articles about how Ron is the guy? Oh, we're really going to create some separation between Trump and Ron. Sure you are, guys. Sure you are. But people are doing it, especially people in the corporate sold out hack conservative media. Think about these outlets like National Review and Commentary and The Blaze and The Daily Wire and Fox News, and I'm probably forgetting some of them. But think about these outlets all going all in for Ron, especially after yesterday, because that's when the whole thing starts. If you've got all of these people on your side, well, you got to wait for the game to start. And once the game starts, everybody goes at that time. Now, the game started, as I said before, too early for Ron. It cannot possibly have been their plan to have waged a terrible seven-month-long shadow campaign before his actual campaign begins. There is no way that they planned that, again, unless this is some kind of ingenious red team operation to make Trump look good. That is the only other possibility, by the way. If this is not a red team operation to make Trump look good, then all of these people are the most incompetent people to ever exist. And that would have to include Ron because his press secretary put this thing together and runs it and they have destroyed his entire reputation and maybe his political career forever. If Ron is who he seems to be right now, and this isn't kayfabe or some red team op, Ron's career is over. People have to understand that. He lost MAGA. Donald Trump, when he was in office, had a 90 plus percent approval rating in the Republican Party. His approval rating is still over 80 percent in the Republican Party. Who do they think Ron is going to have left after this? This isn't a Ron is great and the man for the times campaign. This is Donald Trump is very bad and we need the guy who is just like Donald Trump, but a little better in order to fix it. Donald Trump hired terrible people. Now all those people support Ron DeSantis, the guy that hires great people. What? The entire thing only makes sense in a state of total inversion within the false reality. But all of these media outlets, all these big corporate backed, well-funded media outlets are all in for Ron now. And surprise, surprise, they're the same never Trump outlets who were never Trump before. But I know, I know 
The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro says, I'm sometimes Trump. I'm sometimes Trump. When Trump does good things, I say he does good things. When he does bad things, I say he does bad things. Come on, gang. That's what it means to think like an adult. When Trump does good things, they say they could have done it better because they're so much smarter. Everything would have worked out so much better for conservatives if Trump had just listened to the establishment. And when Trump upsets them, well, Trump is a bad guy and we just can't let him get away with saying mean things about celebrities. So we're going to have to step in and tell him, oh, he's so immature. What a big jerk he is. And somehow Trump ends up always being wrong. No matter what, they just filter everything through a lens that shows them exactly how Trump is wrong. If he does something really great, they would have done it better. If he does something they don't like, he's the worst person in the world. Either way, he's the bad guy, but you can't accuse them of being never Trump because they say that he's done good things. They're just not good enough. So he's always wrong. Trump is always wrong. But what about these conservative outlets? What have they been right about? What has national review or commentary? The blaze is not as bad as these others, but it's still pretty bad. The Daily Wire, Fox News. What have they been right about? All of them communicated the totality of the COVID narrative and they expressed a little doubt here and there, but they didn't say no one should be wearing masks because masks didn't work. They said, oh, I don't know if it's a good idea to put kids in masks. They didn't say the vaccines were totally unnecessary because the disease wasn't deadly. They told people to get vaccines because they trusted the science. They looked at the data. They trusted the experts. They knew. They didn't say the election was stolen. They told people how it could be possible and how important it was that we respect the outcome of our elections. They didn't say the insurrection was infiltrated with feds or that it was almost entirely peaceful among Trump supporters. They didn't say that Trump supporters didn't kill any police officers. They didn't say that police officers were attacking Trump supporters, even though there was video of all of that. They didn't say any of those things. They have supported Joe Biden's illegitimacy throughout this entire time, creating the illusion of legitimacy because they keep calling him President Biden and they ignore and deny election fraud. These people aren't on your side. These people aren't conservatives and they're not right about anything. They were wrong about all that stuff and they're still viewing Trump through a lens that shows Trump to be wrong every time. And these are the smart people on the right, at some point, we got to let them all go. And I know how people feel about all this, especially if you've been conservative for a long time. You find the people in media who are saying the things that you can even at least tolerate. And you know, other people are listening too. you know what's really going on, but you can't find people expressing what's really going on. Certainly not in the mainstream so that you know other people understand what you're listening to. Maybe you can form some sort of bond to people listening to Ben Shapiro. Well, at least they can talk about Ben Shapiro and not talk about Rachel Maddow. Feels better. Okay, I get it. I get it. There weren't that many people out there. There was Rush Limbaugh and then who? Fox News, Sean Hannity, people like that, Mark Levin. So you go with what you can go with. And those are table scraps, but they're better than nothing. And over the years, you feel like you formed a bond with those people. And that bond is important. Somehow you can trust them. 
not on anything important because they're always wrong about the important stuff, but at least they were good at like bashing Obama, bashing Hillary, bashing Biden and bashing woke stuff. I mean, that's got to count for something, right? Sure, they presided over your entire society being dismantled in front of your face by the very people they convinced you to support, but they're better than nothing, right? And that's where we are right now. That is really where we are right now. They've created a hate movement toward Donald Trump and toward MAGA. And if you can't get past the fact that it is a hate movement and you are hung up on disliking Donald Trump and thinking MAGA are all a bunch of stupid rubes out there being fat in their trailer parks, then I don't know what to tell you. Stick with those people as they give the rest of your country away. That's what you're supporting when you're supporting Ron or even considering it. Honestly, look who his backers are. Even if Ron is a good guy and all of this is for show, all of those backers are terrible and should be known as such. And we need to know these things. You know, everybody talks about boycotting Bud Light, boycotting Miller Light, boycotting Ford because they have a gay Raptor or something, boycotting Target because they put weird tuck bathing suits in their children's section and they put weird satanic shirts in their children's section. And guys, I agree. None of that stuff should be happening. It's all very bad. We don't need to talk about it all the time. It is very good that we know about it and that we speak out against it and that we do not participate in it. And can you see where I'm going? That's what I'm telling you about all of these people in the conservative establishment. They are the satanic clothes and tuck bathing suits at Target. They are the creepy little dude on the outside of the beer can. It's important to know what they are and what they mean and stop supporting them and stop paying attention to them. And for God's sake, please stop pretending that they're your friends and that somehow you owe them your loyalty. You don't. They are making enormous profits and enormous livings off lying to everybody about everything important. The Daily Wire guys make a million dollars a week. We found that out a couple of months ago with the whole Steven Crowder thing. What does it mean for someone to make a million dollars a week while promoting the vaccine, telling you that his wife is a doctor and that's how you know you can trust it while you're trying to keep your job and resist that shot at the same time? Is that guy on your side? How can that guy be on anyone's side? These people all believe and say that they are leading an audience. I would like to think, hopefully, that I'm in a conversation with mine and I extend that conversation to social media where I spend most of my time listening to what strangers in the general public say about how they perceive the world, because I'm trying to understand the perspectives of people throughout the country. If people think of me as a leader and follow what I do, that's up to them. I'm not trying to lead anybody. I'm trying to present a different viewpoint and hopefully open up people's minds to create the pace of this awakening so that we can hopefully save this country in as short a time with as little suffering as possible. I don't care about leading, but think about where you would be led 
having listened to me versus having listened to the people on the Daily Wire, you would be injected with a vaccine right now, having listened to the Daily Wire. You may have supported Nazis in Ukraine. You may be covering up election fraud and doing so happily because ignoring the fact that our country has been usurped allows you to continue participating in the false reality where everything is normal and fun like it always was. And now I'm not telling anyone not to have any fun in their lives and not to engage with people they care about, do some things that they like, even if those things come with a little bit of guilt. I'm just saying these people are always wrong about everything. They are paid to be wrong about everything and following them would lead the country to absolute unequivocal doom. And all of them just went in for Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis has courted their support and supports their interests. This isn't a complicated decision. Ron's campaign is over before it began. And last night was a nail in the coffin that was supposed to be a launch event. And Trump appropriately captured it on Instagram. He posted on Instagram, literally bigger news than Ron launching on Twitter. And the post was a meme of a rocket falling over with funny music behind it. And it was totally appropriate because Ron's mission failed to launch. People have destroyed Ron DeSantis's career simply by supporting him as hard as they can. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about reality versus the false reality? What kind of total inversion must these people be in to believe that supporting Ron DeSantis as hard as they possibly can in the smartest ways they know how ends up actually sinking Ron DeSantis's campaign and probably his political career for the rest of his life. His supporters have done that by supporting him as hard and as intelligently as they can. That's the net effect. That's the end result. That is a disaster. Or as people began calling it on the internet, a disaster. And by the way, for the record, Ron DeSantis changed the pronunciation of his last name back to its original form last night. Ron used to call himself Ron DeSantis. He's been calling himself Ron DeSantis. And now we are back to Ron DeSantis. The entire thing is so inauthentic. And that is a product of existing in the false reality where everything is backwards. Imagine thinking in 2023, a scripted statement in a live audio forum was how to launch a presidential campaign. Why didn't they just do it live and casual and free flowing, free form, knowing that that's the most attractive thing for people to listen to because we are in the age of podcasts and free and open conversation. People enjoy and respect that. That's one of the reasons why people pay attention to Twitter spaces. Why couldn't he just do that? Well, it's because the candidate isn't capable of doing that. And the candidate doesn't want to talk about a whole range of subjects that normal people care about. The problem with last night was not the glitch. The problem with last night is the candidate. There's nothing there. I know the TV has said something different for a long time, and it sure seemed like Ron was just the best in 2020. It's just not true. 
Now, I know there's no way in the world that Ron is just going to notice this and accept it and drop out and endorse Trump. That would be the best move he could ever make. People would actually think he's a hero at that point, but he's not a hero and he's not going to do it. But this thing's dead in the water. It should be mocked and it should be ridiculed. And every element of Ron's campaign that reflects the agenda of the regime should be called out and people should be absolutely unrelenting when it comes to the nonsense and the lies and the illogic that this campaign is founded on. But what do we get instead? Pleas for unity. Everybody has to be united. We're being told that it's rude to go after Ron DeSantis and say bad things about him and his campaign or the people supporting him. Even though we've had that flying directly in our faces for seven months. And even though Donald Trump and all his supporters have been done grave injustices by this country, we're supposed to forget all that and play nice with Ron DeSantis so that we don't divide the party while the other half of the party attacks all of us relentlessly all the time. We're just supposed to sit here and take it because we can't be mean or rude to the special good people. And that really is what they believe. If you think I'm making it up, go check out that Twitter space last night hosted by Mario Knopfel and all of those people. You can hear the recording. You can hear their arguments in the best form they can make them in, but they can't stand up to any scrutiny and there's no moral force behind it. And all of the supporters there are doing it for their self-image because that's what the party of false decorum is all about. They are fine to make liberals angry, talking about woke stuff and supporting Ron DeSantis. But they can't support Trump and they can't support MAGA because they'll get in trouble. Or maybe they just don't agree that America should come first or that we should have free and fair elections and that it's not okay to steal elections in broad daylight and watch the establishment cover it up. But we have to be polite to them. They can be terrible to us because everybody knows we're terrible and we deserve it. But we have to be nice to them because there are betters, just like the Democrats were in 2016. Oh, and this same Republican establishment was up until Trump won the nomination. But wait, they were that way even after Trump won the nomination. And even once Trump was president, remember John McCain, he handed off the Steele dossier to the FBI. The Republican establishment has gone at Donald Trump just as much as the Democrats have. And that makes total sense because it's uniparty right and uniparty left. And we are being told that we can't be rude to the uniparty left, even though they stood silently by and supported the illusion of legitimacy for Joe Biden, allowing the presidency of the United States of America to be stolen and usurped. That's the uniparty right. These are the conservatives that we're told we must be polite to. While they run a shadow campaign for seven months, strictly anti-Trump, strictly anti-MAGA, and now we enter the real campaign in hopes that they can keep this zombie campaign alive for a year so that we can get into the primaries so they can steal them. That's what this is about. So if you're disappointed about some of these media figures, if you're disappointed about some of these Republicans that you've liked for a long time, well, sorry, I know it sucks, but it really is time to let go. 
You can see who these people are now. It's not good. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!